0: Mm-hmm. you're listening to alford and brough Yeah, obviously we want results. To me, it's the process.
1: It means he gets results, you stupid chief! Dad, sit down. You would have a point if you were seven years old calling me! You're 21 years old! What are you doing, wearing a diaper? Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford, it is Bralf, it is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live... From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. dog. good morning to you. Ah, good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com.
0: We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show on
1: a Wednesday after a very quiet Tuesday in the world of sports. Uh, guest list begins at 6.30 this morning. In a half hour's time, we will be joined by Jeff Merrick, he of the Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast. Uh, we will talk about, I'm going to call it the marquee game in a huge night for the National Hockey League tonight. Your Vancouver Canucks, second in the Western Conference, taking on the 2022 Stanley Cup champs and the fifth place team in the West, the Colorado Avalanche. We'll talk to Jeff about that. We'll get into a bunch of other stuff going in and around. 14 games in the NHL tonight. It's a big night. So we'll talk to Jeff about that at 6.30. 7.30, uh, as we go to the Colorado side of things, Connor McGahee. He is the Avs play-by-play man for Altitude TV. We'll talk to him about this Avs team that started the season on fire 6-0-0. And then it's basically been a 500 team since then and had that crazy loss on Monday night in Nashville against the Predators Mm -hmm. where they had to lead with 33 seconds left. And then by the time regulation
0: ended, uh, they had lost. And Rick Talkett was talking about that uh, yesterday. And he was like, damn it, I wish that hadn't happened. Yeah. Now they're going to be pissed off. Any coach worth his salt is like,
1: ah, couldn't that have happened another time instead of the game right before we have to play them? So Connor McGahee at 7.30, 8 o'clock, uh, Alan Shipnuck is going to join the program. So he is the executive editor at the Fire Pit Collective and the author of a new book called Live and Let Die. Oh, what a clever title. The inside story of the war between the PJ Tour and Live Golf. So I don't know much about golf, but I know Alan is like yeah. one of the best golf writers on the planet. Well,
0: he's been at the center of this story. He was the guy that got the quotes from Phil Mickelson. Right. Do you remember when he said like, yeah, I know they do all this bad stuff in Saudi Arabia,
1: but still. The money. I yeah, remember that. Right. Yeah, no, Alan, uh, like, again, I don't know a ton about golf, but when we've been trying. We've been chasing Alan for a long time. I don't think Alan you can say that
0: anymore, because you've learned a lot about golf over the last few years I know a with lot this of, story. You know what? I know a lot about the golf drama. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I don't know much about the actual sport. You know? Like, I don't know the rules, the etiquette, how to play it. Right. But, but the drama between live and the well, people. Well, there's are. a big stick.
0: You're on yeah, grass. Yeah, yeah. There's a tiny hole really far away. So there's really something called, away. like, par. So some holes are par threes and par fours and par fives. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, we've been there's, trying to- If it's a par five, that means there's five holes. So you have a choice yeah, yeah. of hitting it as, into one as, of the five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you all can tell right now, I will not be conducting the Alan Shipnuck interview, but uh, we've been chasing him for a while. Very excited to get him on the show. The book is Live and Let Die, the inside story of the war between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. So that's going to be at 8 o'clock. Canucks, Avs, as mentioned tonight, 7 o'clock from Colorado. Note the start time. Uh, so there's a lot to get into on the program. Working in reverse, Shipnuck at 8. 7.30, it's Connor 6 6.30, it's Jeff Merrick, uh, lots to get into. So, without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened.
0: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No.
1: no. What happened? I missed all the action because I. was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened, missed it. You missed that. What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca.
0: So, um, yesterday, we were talking about how there's no NHL games. Uh, and there were no NHL games last night. But I said, hey, man, like, this is... Like, there's the big soccer game between Canada and Jamaica. And, and you acted like... You didn't even really care about the game because uh, Canada was going to advance anyway. There no was problems. Th- no, no, no. You know, there's no tension left. They'd already gone down to Jamaica and won there for the first time in 35 years. They'd scored two away goals and they were up two one. Yep. And uh, so this thing was just going to be a celebration and uh, Canada at home. I mean, Jamaica, I don't know, has ever won in Canada. Jamaica never won a game on Canadian soil. Never won a game on Canadian soil. And, you know, so Canada was going to win this game over Jamaica and they were going to book their spot in the Copa America and that was going to be great because they, they would have a chance to play teams like Brazil and Argentina and oh it's going to be so much fun you could travel to those games and and uh, and and then what happened uh they lost 3-2 the worst possible scoreline in regulation
1: because although the aggregate was tied 4-4 mm-hmm. Jamaica had scored those three away goals and Canada went crashing out of the CONCACAF Nation League Tournament. And what's more, now put themselves in a do-or-die match against Trinidad and Tobago to try and qualify for Copa America when all they had to do was finish the job last night.
0: And And it wasn't just that the Jamaicans won 3-2. It was that the Canadians actually, like... Added
1: to their aggregate lead and well, then blew it. I was going to say, you know, yesterday, my comments caught some, including Jason Brough. Is a tad cocky, maybe overconfident. But through the first 45 minutes of the match yesterday at BMO Field in Toronto, in front of 18,000 Canadian supporters, Canada looked comfortable. They had gotten out to an early 1-0 lead thanks to an Alfonso Davies goal. Kyle Laren was buzzing up front, had a bunch of really good chances saved by Andre Blake, the Jamaican netminder. It looked as though that they were in cruise control, up 3-1 on aggregate with 45 minutes to go. It was comfortable. They even had that tiny cushion where they could allow and concede. A Jamaican goal, yeah, because they had the 3 1 lead. They, when they were up 3 1, they didn't even have to win the match yesterday. They could have lost and they would have been fine. They could have at least gone to penalties and they would have been okay. Right. Things would have been penalties. all right, they would have been alive at the very yeah. least. Like Mexico went to penalties and they advanced. Don't even get me started on that one, okay? Yeah, um, it was a collapse of epic proportions yesterday for Canada. They allowed three goals in a 16 minute span <laughs> at home to a Jamaican team that I will remind you had never ever won on Canadian soil before, was without its best player in McAl- Antonio, who the West Ham striker who suffered a knee injury, mm-hmm. and who by all, all indications in that match should have been cooked. But here's the problem. Canada acted like me. They got too confident, too cocky. Some will say overweight. And <laughs> they all of a sudden, for no good reason, started acting like they had that match won. Mm-hmm. They started getting really casual with the way they were playing out of the back. There was a little tiny moment in the match. And I don't know how much of it you watched. But uh, in the 60th minute. So still, there's a lot of time left to play. Half hour plus. And... Canada was already mentally in like, we're going to salt this one nil victory away mode. So a ball came through to the keeper, Milian Borean and time wasting is always a thing in soccer. Right When a ball goes back to the goalie, he'll pick it up and he'll lie on the ground for stealing a few extra seconds. Borean made the decision when the ball came rolling back to him to flick it up in the air and then juggle it on his knees a couple of times to kill time Mm -hmm. before gathering it and falling on the ground. And the, the, the fans and attendants all were like, Ooh, ole. like yeah, oh, yeah, look yeah. at the keeper. And I remember thinking, that feels awfully cocky and awfully overconfident mm-hmm. for a team that is nursing a one goal lead against the team in Jamaica that was fighting for its life in this tournament. That's the important thing to remember is there was a whole second chapter to this, which was Jamaica is not going to go down without a fight. And I think Canada... And they have talent. And I think Canada naively thought that they would. And then it all unraveled. And look, for those of you that are saying, why are you spending so much time on this at the start of the show? The Canucks are playing the abs tonight. We had four texts in, which is a lot, before the show even started, all talking about this massive, massive collapse. And because the story really isn't about just losing to Jamaica, because I'll be dead honest... It was damaging, but not deadly. They still have a chance to qualify for Copa, which is the number one priority for them. Mm -hmm. They don't really care about this Nations League tournament. Nobody does. But the story here is that this became the flashpoint for how far this program has fallen since qualifying for the World Cup in Qatar. It has been a series of down notes and sour notes and the coach leaving and... You know, uh, massive dysfunction at the executive level, so, and now it's trickled down to where the product on the field, despite having all this talent, is a complete disaster and a complete nightmare. So, do you have any time
0: for these excuses? Like, uh, you know, they don't have a full time manager, so that that was one of the reasons why they lost. Or They only played one friendly in their last window because they couldn't afford to book anymore. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why they lost. Because to me, you know, like, this is just... I'm not defending the organization. (laughs) Believe me. There's nothing to defend there. Mm -hmm. But this, to me, is on the players and whoever the leaders are on that Canadian team that they played like that and, and blew it.
1: There's that old El Paso... Taco commercial where they're having the debate about soft shells versus hard shells, and then mm. the girl comes up with a package that has both. She's like, Why not both? I think that's the answer is like, both can be true,
0: both can be right. Well, not they, even both, all of the issues. They all have in the but, multiple, but, but, multiple but there issues. Are, there
1: are issues organizationally and dysfunction within Canada soccer as an entity, and then there's dysfunction and a lack of harmony with the actual on pitch stuff. Do they often intertwine? Yeah, 100%. But yesterday, that comes down to the players on the pitch, the manager on the pitch and their inability and really like a shocking lack of professionalism and accountability where there's got to be someone stepping up in certain moments. And whether it's the captain, the goalie who, who did not play well. And mm-hmm. I mentioned that little moment there of
0: almost condescending play, I would call it. Well, was it like when, when uh, Eustachio got taken off the ball? Yep. Like, is that, is that careless there?
1: So, that, that no. I mean, it's a, a nice tackle, but. There's you, a lot that goes into that. Okay. okay. Um, what happened was is the Jamaican manager, who was the same guy that took Iceland, remember that team that beat uh, England? England. Oh, he oh, was okay. involved with sure, that team. I sure remember that. Yeah. So, he's a very good tactical manager. He moved the, one of their uh, center backs up into, Damian Lowe, up into the midfield. Mm. And Lowe was running around. And picking up cards and very close to being sent off, but just flying into tackles like crazy. Mm -hmm. He's super aggressive. He's a defender, and they're like, we're going to use him as a midfielder. Might as well. And he disrupted everything.
0: So, like, in hockey parlance, for people that are like, get to the hockey, that's like, they brought in, like, a heavy four-checker.
1: Yeah, and that heavy four-checker disrupted the entire game. Mm -hmm. And Canada didn't react to it. He was the guy, Lowe was the guy that uh, tackled Eustachio, the turnover, that started everything. Mm -hmm. Now, prior to that, I was talking to a buddy, and I'm like, man, you know, Canada needs to be careful here because uh, Jamaica is flying in like crazy, partly because they know that their tournament lives and their COPA lives are on the line, but also because they've discovered a weakness and that Canada was playing really passive and almost kind of knocking it around like casually, like we're playing a Sunday pickup at the park with the lads. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't any sort of energy or stick to from Canada. They thought they had a won. And they started playing really dangerous casual balls in very like dangerous positions. Yeah. And Jamaica just came through and disrupted everything. In a really short span, like I said, their three goals came in a 16-minute span. So, look, I understand that we spent 14 minutes talking about this on a match that, again, you want to talk about dysfunction with the Canadian team. A lot of people couldn't even watch because it was on one Mm -hmm. soccer. So I get that people will push back, and I don't really care. Don't listen. I don't care either. Yeah, I don't care. Honestly, that was a— Don't listen. Go away.
0: Don't bother me. That was a a terrible— Terrible loss yep. for um, a soccer team that is our soccer team, our Canadian national soccer team, and we are hosting the World Cup in a few years. And th- the team and the organization is in shambles. Yeah, it's, they it's, don't even have a coach. Well, they don't even have a coach. If you want to make so, this, like, yeah, like, like bring up a good point. This is bigger than this is bigger than a loss to uh, Jamaica. If. Like, they should beat Trinidad and Tobago, but they should have won yesterday or they should have survived yesterday. And this is an opportunity to um, get into this Copa America, which is going to provide actual, like, you know, like y- y- they need these games to prepare for the World Cup so they're not an embarrassment when we host this tournament.
1: Yeah, and that's the big part of all of this. This is the big takeaway. And every time that this program and this country and the players and the manager all have a failing of this level is you can always point to, well, in you know two plus years from now, we are hosting one of the biggest global sporting events in the world. And the team that's hosting it could be in complete disarray because that's where they are right now. End of rant.
0: All right, let's move on to the Canucks. Uh, The Canucks uh, practice at Rogers Arena yesterday before flying out to Colorado. I think they did. I think they practiced at Rogers Arena, yeah. Um, Nils Hoaglander will be available tonight uh, after getting fined and not suspended for the slew foot uh, by the NHL. Um, Rick Tockett, we mentioned this earlier in the show, Um called tonight's uh game a high alert game (laughs) and for two reasons uh number one it's the colorado avalanche and you know they didn't win the stanley cup last year but they had a lot of issues and they did win it the, the year before and it was one of the most dominant stanley cup runs i've ever seen yep um so this is still a very very good team uh but the Avs have been inconsistent in the last little while. They got off to a red-hot start, but they've been inconsistent. And the Avs lost to Nashville on Monday in brutal fashion. It actually reminded me of how Canada lost to Jamaica. And let's just talk a little bit more about that Canada-Jamaica game. That disgusting display.
1: No, I will um, Although that was a very crazy collapse. So we.
0: <laughs> yeah, so... The Abs on Monday had a 3-2 lead over Nashville with uh, 38 seconds to go. Mm-hmm. Philip Forsberg scores for the Preds, and then somehow, 16 seconds later, the Preds score again to win that game. Yeah, I've
1: actually got—I I pulled the audio— um, the other day to play, we never got around to doing it. But it's actually—I'm con- pretty sure it's Connor on the call, if I'm not mistaken. Because I took the Avs call mm-hmm. because the it was—it's great from a visitor's perspective because it's actually got energy. But it's that sort of—I can't believe what I just witnessed. Energy. It was—it's a shocking result, and for an Avs team that's had a lot of bad losses this year, that one is somewhere near the top. But I'm not sure if it's at the top. Like I was saying, they've—they've they've had a very strange year. In Colorado, because the record is good. They're 11-6-0. They're second in their division, which is fine. But after the hot start to the season, they've had four or five really damning losses where you're looking at the box score afterwards and being like, what's going on here? They have back-to-back losses, shutouts to Pittsburgh and Buffalo 4-0. So that's a collective 8-0 on aggregate as we Mm. get back to the the soccer talk. They lost 7-0 to Vegas. They lost 8-2 to St. Louis, and then they had this crazy game against the um, against the Preds, where you're just kind of looking at it and saying, "What exactly is going on here?" We'll get some answers from Connor McGehee coming up at seven thirty.
0: Uh, let's let's play some Rick Talkett audio because he's talked a lot about how this is a test for the Vancouver Canucks, and the Canucks for the most part have passed their tests this year. They started out with an eight and one win over Ed- the Edmonton Oilers, and um, and they've. Beaten the Oilers three times. They've had a good win over uh, Dallas. That mm-hmm. was another good win. Uh, they beat the Rangers, but they had it stolen by the referees. <laughs> yeah. They got it to overtime against the Rangers, and then it was stolen by the referees. Uh, so they have performed well in these big games, but I get the feeling that Rick Tockett isn't exactly thrilled with how his team has played in the last little while. Even that win over San Jose, The work ethic was better. And I think he was like, he was happier than the team's previous performance. But I I get the feeling that he still thinks there's a lot of work to do. And this, let's just play a little Rick Talkit audio here, Greg, um, talking about uh, how this is a big test going uh, into Colorado to play the Colorado Avalanche. Well, I think we played a little bit faster last night. You know, still not to the pace we want to, but I, I think we chipped away at some parts of our game to get it back. And, um, you know, we're going into, obviously, one of the best team's buildings that um, I'm sure they're not too happy after the, their loss the other night. So, you know, high alert, again, another high alert game. Um, Pugh Suter won't be available for the trip. He's still day to day with an undisclosed injury. They're going
1: to need to update that designation, by the way, because he's been gone for a lot longer than day to day. How does does it, it mean like concussion
0: protocol or something? Or like? Yeah.
1: Because, I mean, like, usually whenever they do that, it's like. Uh, who knows? He's been, he's been day-to-day for
0: over a week. So now. Brody, the city worker, texted in this uh, early what we learned. We're going to read it now. Said uh, Brody says, good morning, guys. Well, good morning, Brody. Hello, Brody. He said, when uh, Hronach was traded for, we were told a week or so. He played a few games and then done for the year. Bluger was a bruise. Then he missed the first 12 games or so. Suter really had no mention that he missed three games and will miss three more starting tonight. With the team announcing uh, Susie gone for 68 weeks, are we sure... He is even still alive with how they have treated the injuries. Uh, Why is the team so afraid to give the public info? They are a very secretive group. They do not like any information getting out. Um, I don't know if you guys recall when they first came in. There were some leaks. They don't like those. (laughs) They do not like leaks. That's how they run their operation. That's just how they are. They are a secretive group. Mm-hmm. They're like so, the stonecutters. So, hey, you know, and in and, and some in some cases, there's yeah. something to be said for that, right? Like, there's Jim Rutherford runs this ship. Uh, Patrick Alvine is the general manager. And they've had, you know, Jim Rutherford has had a lot of success in this league. So, maybe this is just something he feels that is needed or the organization they feel is needed. But, yeah, this Pew Shooters thing is interesting, right? Like, day-to-day, day-to-day. And when you hear day-to-day, you're like, okay, well, we're going to ask you every day then. Yeah. And then for Pew Suter to not even, like, be on this trip. I know it's a short trip. It's three games, but it's three games and four nights. It's a short trip. But, like, this this player who I think was playing pretty well and I think they miss um, day-to-day and now he's going to miss, like, (laughs) like at least six games?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's—well, if I remember it correctly, uh, Suter, the day of the game that he was a a late scratch, really— participated in practice, I think was a member of the game day skate was meeting with talking before the game. And then it just kind of came down hours before puck drop that he was going to be made available, made unavailable. And you mentioned the day-to-day designation. Now, as it pertains to the big picture stuff, yeah, it's becoming abundantly clear, whether you hear it out in public or through back channels that the organization from the highest reaches doesn't want to give anybody anything. That's really what it comes down to. I, and I could care less. I think it's a great thing if you're winning games. Like That's a big thing. If you're 13-5-1, yeah, man, focus on the leaks and patch them up. Do a plumbing job. There's a reason that we jokingly, although not even jokingly at this point, referred to Patrick Alvin as Johnny Tightlips. Like, yeah. He does not say much. Do you mm-hmm. think they have a catchy song like the Stonecutters? Um, I don't... Th- maybe. We won't know, though, because it won't get yeah, leaked out. Yeah, they won't tell us. They won't yeah. tell us, but, you should know... I, should I try they to... They walk
0: around the office, and they're like, hello, number two. <laughs> should I try and infiltrate them?
1: <laughs> it's just a subtle nod, and then they have a little decoder ring that they pass to um, another. No. But
0: so I, another guy that's out, and they have given information on Carson Soucy, six to 68 weeks, um, and Rick Talkard was asked about playing without Carson Susie, and he says basically, like, listen... We need to get the puck out of our end. And he said, we have to play quicker and faster, getting the puck out right away. Uh, and he was talking about some of the, the, the guys that have come into the um, lineup, whether it's you know Noah Juleson or Mark Friedman or Akita Hirose. They cannot be holding on to the puck and getting stripped. So I think that's something to watch for tonight. Mm-hmm. When you play a team against the Abs that's going to pressure you because they have a lot of good talent, they have a lot of speed, watch how the defensemen... Deal with it and also watch how the forwards deal with it because he also admitted, Listen, like we need our forwards back quicker to help out. Think of uh, some of the goals, actually, the last two goals that Seattle scored in the third period, they're all because there was pressure on the Canucks defensemen and they didn't get it out or they didn't make the right play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of the game right now. You know, the Canucks are trying to forecheck. Their way into defensive turnovers. But when it comes to these players that are, you know, let, let, let's face it, there's going to be two Canucks defensemen in the lineup right now that on a deeper team might not be in the lineup. Uh, I imagine Mark Friedman's going to play again because he played quite well paired with Tyler Myers uh, against San Jose. I imagine they're not going to make any changes actually. So Juleson will probably be in there, Hiroshi will probably sit. Those guys have to move the puck quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, right? the amount of times... Get that, the, just get the puck out. The amount of times that Tockett used words like quick and fast and speed yesterday, uh, it was plentiful. And I think for two reasons. One, there's guys in the lineup that that isn't their forte. But also, the opponent, the Colorado Avalanche, I mean, that's a team that's predicated on the way that it plays Fast and up tempo and quick, yeah. highlighted by Nathan McKinnon
0: and Kale McCarr. And by the way, but it's hard though, right? Like playing the puck quickly, moving the puck quickly, it's, it's, it's way easier said than done. Oh, yeah. That's sometimes when you get yourself into mistakes, you're like, oh, I gotta move this puck quickly. Oh, I did not see that guy. Yep. That oh. is a pizza. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> oh, dear Lord, what are you doing there? <laughs> yeah. And that's going to be one of the challenges tonight. So we will look forward to this game. Coming up next with Jeff Merrick, we're going to lead with this big matchup. Uh, it was funny. The NHL has already released their big um, morning skate newsletter for the day. And right atop it, Cale McCarr versus Quinn Hughes. Everyone is aware of this matchup. of. I will say it, the two best defensemen in the NHL currently. Quinn Hughes is number one, of course. We'll talk to Jeff Merrick about that and a whole lot more coming up next on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 32 on a Wednesday. Now it's 633. I took so long to say that. Alfred sports Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Uh, or sorry, hour one of the program. I'm all over the map here. Hour one is brought to you by Everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at Everythingfinancial.com. Wakey Wakey, Halford. I'm just I'm excited to get to everything we got on tap today. We got Jeff Merrick coming up in a sec. Alan Shipnuck's gonna join us at eight o'clock. And then tonight, Canucks Avs, seven o'clock from Denver. Big game. Big game on the slate tonight. Joining us now to discuss that and more. Uh, he is the host of the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast and the Jeff Merrick Show. It's Jeff Merrick now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Morning, Jeff. How are you, Mister
2: Halford? Are you okay? Do you need a little lie down? Do you need a little timeout? Need a little bit of stress leave? He's or upset is- about You're the soccer you? game yesterday. So, um... <laughs> it was brutal. I know, right? Like that's all. I'm not much of a soccer guy, but all my friends that are- that that follow it. I mean, there's Their Twitter last night was insane. I I guess something bad happened against Jamaica yesterday in the second half.
1: It was Jamaican me angry. It wasn't good (laughs) at all. Everyone's groaning because I've used that Jamaica pun several times. I don't even care. That's how disgruntled I am. Um, Yeah, it was bad. It was was a collapse. And I'm also fired up because, you know, whenever you talk about a sport that people don't care about in the morning, especially on a Canucks game day, when there is a big game on the horizon – People get yeah. angry. Yeah. But uh, w- let's start with that because uh, sure. no, no games in the NHL last night. Another reason we were nope. talking about soccer, not that I'm yelling at people, but uh, <laughs> now we got 14 games tonight. There's some really good ones. you got the Stanley Cup final rematch between the Panthers and the Bruins, a really good one in the Western Conference between the Stars and the Golden Knights. But I think yeah. everyone should be focused. On that matchup between Colorado and Vancouver, oh. the number five team in the West, Colorado, and the number two team in the West, Vancouver. How much are you anticipating and looking forward oh, yeah. to this game tonight, Jeff?
2: The, yeah, the the, the the best game of the night is probably going to be, you know, one of the last games of the night. Like we have, like it, technically it's, it's two versus two Pacifica and the Central. Um, earlier we have, you know, one and two in the Atlantic in Boston and Florida. Uh, Vegas and Dallas uh, is another beauty. I know Bernard Fantilli is going to capture some imagination as well for whatever reason, Philadelphia and the Islanders, whether it's the Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins, but make no doubt about it. Like if you're just, whether you're a Vancouver Canucks fan or whether you're an Avalanche fan or you're just a fan of good hockey games, like that's kind of where I live. I just want to watch good hockey games. I don't care who's playing. This one right now looks like the game of the night. A lot of sidebars to this one, Quinn Hughes versus Caleb McCart, two defensemen trending for a hundred points here. Uh, this one, yeah, this one looks like a butte. This one looks, uh, looks real good. What have you seen from the abs this year? Uh, that's a great question to me. They kind of look like a bunny hop team, you know, a couple of steps forward, a couple of steps backwards, three steps forward, two steps backwards, one forward, two backward, I know injuries have plagued them, and the Arturi situation does not sound good at all. Right. Uh, anytime you start dealing with the neck. Um, and that's like, this one, like, like, can we go on the same bit? Like, that is not Jamie Alexiak's fault. Like, I know he answered for the fight with Curtis McDermott, but like, I didn't see that as Alexiak's fault, like that injury for Arturi um, whatsoever. But nonetheless, what have we seen from the abs? Uh, we've seen enough to say at times that they are an elite team that can win the Stanley cup. And at times we look at them and say, if they can get their injury situation sorted out, there's a potential for them to return to glory. I know the road is going to have to lead through Vegas. And that's always been kryptonite for this edition of the Colorado avalanche. Uh, but they're going to have to do something between now and trade deadline to address a couple of issues, namely scoring. Um, so I think we've seen a couple of different teams from the from the Avalanche so far this season. Cause what do you it, think?
0: Well, I mean, I, I haven't watched them play m- much, but I've just seen, like, the inconsistent scores. And so, I yeah. uh, number one, I wonder about the goaltending. But, you know, before you, you joined us, I was saying, like, you know, you all remember yeah. the Colorado run to the Stanley Cup uh, a couple of years ago. And I think, in, in my opinion... Just my opinion. That was the best team of the salary cap era. Like they were just so dominant in that run. But now they yeah. don't have Landeskog, and they don't have Kadri as their two C. And you mentioned the Lekinen, uh injury. So is is like a second line of Johansson between Drouin and Tatar? Is that is that good enough?
2: Doesn't scare you. You're right. Like, it doesn't scare you. And that's why I say they, they you know, given the injury situation and thankfully for the avalanche, as, as Lekkonen goes down, um, Valerian Achushkin has been real good, comma again. Um, Easily picked up his play. But you're right. Like, they are going to need some help. Like, I, it, it sounds very much like Patrick Kane's going to the, uh, to the Eastern Conference. And a lot of that has to do with travel. Um, but that's someone that the uh, the Avalanche could 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 really use. And and the thing about the Abs too, and this is kind of like the Carolina Hurricanes. Like there are two teams that are sort of sneaky undercover when it comes to names that are out there and potential trades. That after the deals are done, we kind of find out that oh, they were involved. Carolina and Colorado are always in around the big deals, right? Whether it's uh, Jack Eichel or Taylor Hall or Artemi Panarin, like. When there are big names that are out there, generally Colorado and Colorado was in Carolina. Colorado is interested. Do they always get it over the finish line? No, and I think that's mainly because the Avalanche don't want to overpay and they don't want to, you know, shake hands with someone and lose a finger, uh, even though they're getting the player. But uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if between now and, and trade deadline they they do something to uh, to address the the area that most needs addressing. And you nailed it, and that is. Scoring that can complement Miko Rantanen, Nathan McKinnon, Valeri Nichushkin. I think they did. You know they did all right bringing in Ryan Johansson. And by the way, just as an aside, was nice to see him go back to Nashville uh, and get a tribute. Unlike mm-hmm. what happened when he went back to Columbus. <laughs> to Nashville, <laughs> <laughs> we all have a chuckle about that one, right, boys? Slightly different uh, vibes. That. Slightly different little vibes b- on the return. A little bit of a little bit of a different vibe. But um, listen, I mean, abs like. Someone put it to me best on, on Sunday. I was talking to someone about that Dallas, Colorado game. And Dallas goes up 3 0. Tyler Sagan scores a couple of goals and you think, wow, Dallas is, you know, really going to send a message here. And then Colorado rips off six goals in a row and are just dominant. And this one person put it to me perfectly. He said, Look, when Colorado gets their Stanley Cup four going, like when they get their Stanley Cup four check going, there's no one that can touch the avalanche. Yeah. And, you know, he's right. Like, they were, like, I have to really have a think about it in the salary cap era to to try to get a handle on which was the most dominant team. But I I think you can make a case for the Avalanche, certainly. And I think what got them there was that forecheck. And if they can establish that and keep that rolling, good luck to anybody Eh, outside of maybe Vegas, who I mentioned has always been kryptonite. Um, Good luck to anybody in the Western Conference because that forecheck is suffocating for for any team in the NHL.
0: Do you feel like you've got a handle on the Canucks yet,
2: or do you still need some time? Because I'm still in the time category. So sports is an interesting place. So sports exists in that middle ground between what your head believes and your heart feels. And my heart really wants this to be be legit and not to be fool's gold. So I I kind of think it's probably somewhere in the middle. Like my head keeps saying – okay, we've seen so much bad hockey historically from the, uh, from the Vancouver Canucks. This can't be real, can it? And you believe in magic for a certain point. But then, man, every time I watch Vancouver, I, I, get, I, I, I go back to, I really want to believe this. Like, I really want this team to be this dominant. And then I say to myself, one, how come I'm being skeptical? And two, I always remind myself, at every single position, this team has excellence. You know, yeah, that right is now, the key. That's the key. At every single spot. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep going back and forth. Like to me, the, the heart trophy, and I know we can argue about this. We're not even at the quarter poll yet. Um we can argue about the heart trophy, but if, if I'm you know, if I get my ballot from the uh from the professional hockey writers and I'm I'm sitting down and I'm thinking about the heart, right now I flip flop based on the day between K- Quinn Hughes and Artemi Panarin, the New York Rangers. And most days it's Quinn Hughes. Like if you ask me today, it's Quinn Hughes. Um, At every single spot, they've got excellence. So for me, there should be no reason at this point that I should be skeptical. But I just look at, you know, 82 games is a long season. Right now, all the top guys are incredible. What happens when, you know, what happens when they go through a slump? Does everything cave in around them? Um, my default is no, because there's a lot of great players around them. So if somehow Elias Patterson goes, you know, goes quiet for a few games or JT Miller or whomever, I think there's enough around them. So I keep trying to myself that what I'm seeing isn't a mirage, but that part of me that's watched so many Vancouver Canucks games of recent note just fall apart. I'm, I'm put it this way. I'm almost there. I've got like bungee cords on my hockey pants and I'm trying to go deep into the zone and I keep snapping back, kind of like the Jacques Lemaire Minnesota Wild. How about that for an analogy?
0: Here's, feel free to use this because I think this is actually pretty good, even though I'm bragging because I came up with it myself. Um, you know, um, <laughs> you know, when, uh, we talk about like the economy and, um, the Bank of Canada and they say things like, we want to create a soft landing for the economy as opposed to like a crash when they're trying to deal with interest rates. Like that's what I want for the Canucks because mm-hmm. they're going to regress like they are they might have already started but like you just mentioned you know the word crash like are they going to crash down to earth or is there going to be like a soft landing where they weren't as good or their the the record won't be as good as it was over the first you know 15 games or whatever but it won't be so bad that it'll be like oh my god are they going to yeah. miss the playoffs and and I think I think with the excellence that you mentioned that they have at all the key positions and like, like Quinn Hughes against San Jose yesterday or uh, the other, the other day, like he, like it was actually a kind of an, uh, an even game. Um, well, it was scoreless at, at, at least, and then Quinn Hughes makes this play, this unbelievable goal. Like you know, he, he, oh, he yeah, he he walks nothing the line, then he then he beats <laughs> he and then he beats the forwards, and he goes down, and he and he, and he rips a shot past uh, Team Canada, future Team Canada goalie Mackenzie Blackwood, <laughs> and you know, and and and, and then uh, you know, like and, and the ability to do that sort of thing when you have those types of players and they're playing at that level. Doesn't it make it less likely that there's going to be this massive crash
2: back to reality? I, uh, a couple of things. One, was someone watching Christopher Freeland's economic update the other day? Is no, 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 no. Is that where these analogies come from? Is no, that where no, I just, got Christopher Freeland on, on the mind? No, but, I just uh, hope there's
0: but, not an economic crash.
2: That's all. <laughs> on uh, a soft well, landing. And, and, and you know what? And, and here's why. Like I think we all looked at the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, to start the season and Greg Cronin had them punching very much above their weight. And we said, okay, this is great. This is fun. Radko Gudis is scoring like Anaheim Mighty Ducks style goals, like rainbows over goaltenders. And we said to ourselves, this is cute, but they're doing this on the backs of a lot of kids, a really young blue line, there is going to be a crash. And a lot of that is based on age, but uh, I look at Vancouver and where I see a softer landing as opposed to a crash is, the age of the key players, right? Like Dr. Demko is 27. Now JT Miller is 30. Elias Pettersson is 25. Brock Besseter is 26. It's not going to be a catastrophe because these guys have been in the NHL for a long time. Quinn Hughes is 24. Like, these guys have been in the NHL for a while. They've played a lot of NHL games. So I don't think that a team like Vancouver spirals at all. I think that that there's going to be losing streaks like it it happens and there's going to be clunkers. Every Mm -hmm. team gets about five or six. I don't care who you are, Vegas, Vancouver, you know, Boston Bruins or whomever Um, Dallas stars. Like you're going to have clunkers along the way. I just, I just don't know that I see anything extended. If a couple of players get a little soft here because these are guys that have played a long time. And listen, you guys are a lot closer to it than I am. Have you seen any panic at all? At any point this season from the Vancouver Canucks. No. Because no. from what I've seen, none. No. Zero. No completely they, zero.
0: I mean a lot of it helps when you have when you have the type of record that they do, right? When you get off to the start that you do, you, you just feel more comfortable. You know, I, I want to ask you about the Edmonton Oilers because I think the question sure. for the Oilers right now is like, when does it become too late?
2: And are we there now? See, I don't like, think we are that, because I, it, I, I, I look at the based teams. On, based on what? Because I keep saying the same thing too, but then I catch myself and I say, well, based on what? But, like, but I say it's based on the
0: teams that are currently in, in the wild card spot. Like it's St. Louis and Seattle. Like it's not, it's, you know, those teams to me aren't so good that they can't be caught.
2: So I had a conversation a couple of nights ago with someone who brought up a really good point. At what point did they lose the team? Like, at what point do the players start to check out here? Yeah. Like, we keep saying, oh, oh, Oilers are going to be fine. They're going to turn the ship around. It's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl after uh, after all. And then Tampa happens on Saturday. And then Florida happens on Monday. And we'll see what happens against Carolina tonight. I don't know. Like, I, I think we've all convinced ourselves, and I'm as guilty of this as, as anybody else. I think we've all convinced ourselves that, Connor McDavid is going to go into the phone booth as Clark Kent and come out as Superman and everything's going to be fine. He's going to save the world because we all like to believe in magic. But aren't we already there? You know, Elliot's got the November 1st rule. Ken Holland has the U.S. Thanksgiving rule. Well, here we are. Thanksgiving is coming up. Checks, notes it's tomorrow. And this is a team that's playing like 300 hockey. Like If it wasn't Edmonton, and if it wasn't everything that we believed about the Edmonton Oilers, what would we be saying? Now, I get it. Like The mitigating factor is always 97 and 29. But you have Leon Dreisidel in Spectre's piece the other day talking about how he's not comfortable even handling the puck right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's alarming. Because if you don't have those two guys, how are you going to win games? And there's, there's like, there's no help. Like they're looking for a goaltender. We all know that, but how many goaltenders have Edmonton on the no trade? And so, what are you going to get? You need to get someone. You say to yourself, is better than Stuart Skinner. And who's again needs to be someone needs to be significantly better than Stuart Skinner, of all the goaltenders. And the caveat being, who are available? Who's that guy? Or you have to one completely overpay to get one or two, take a wild swing. And, you know, I don't know, like call the Detroit Red Wings about Alex Lyon and hope that he can do for you what he did for the Florida Panthers down the stretch last season. But again, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a complete hope play mm-hmm. because you don't know like even and even then, like, Stop giving up high-danger scoring chances. I don't care who you are Stuart Skinner, Jack Campbell, Calvin Pickard, the ghost of Terry Sawchuk. I don't care who you are,
0: Jeff. What is up, up with Evan Bouchard? I'm watching this guy defend, and I'm like,
2: "Yeah, what, what are you doing? What are you doing out there?" I think it's the I think it's the whole back, it's the whole back end, don't you think? Like well, the, uh, yeah. the, the 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 whole, back, and I think a lot of it too. Um, like, there's a couple of things. One. It's pretty obvious that Conor McDavid is not hundred percent and that Conor McDavid came back too soon to play in the Heritage Classic. And they're at a point now where I wonder if Edmondson were in a better position in the standings if they looked at shutting Conor McDavid down so he could heal properly. Like, don't you get that feeling? Because I do. And again, I'm not there. I'm not a doctor. I can't yeah. I can't tell you exactly, you know, what this is. But I just know that this isn't the kind of McDavid that we're used to. What
0: do you think it is? Because I was actually noticing like he was actually having some trouble handling the puck.
2: I don't know. I, I again I I hate to throw things out there like, oh, it's an oblique injury. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. Like, <laughs> like I I I don't I, I just it, it looks like he doesn't not that he's an overly physical player to begin with, but it doesn't look like he's too warm to contact right now, but man, I can't draw any conclusions. I always, I always hesitate in diagnosing from thousands of miles away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, uh, what Conor McDavid, all I know is Connor McDavid is fighting through something, but they're at the point now where what happens if you say, okay, you know what? We need hundred percent of Conor McDavid. So we're going to have to shut him down, but it's down for a couple of weeks. You want to talk about scotching your season. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. So, like, the situation's even worse than it appears, unless somehow he goes to Lourdes and bathes in holy water and comes back completely healed. I mean, that might um, be a plan. Might be it's, worth it. It's, why, why not, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. Like, send, send for the holy water and, and, and heal up Conor McDavid. Um, we keep saying to ourselves, and again, I'm guilty of this, too. I am not putting myself above the fray. Cause I've done the same thing all season long and said, Oh, don't worry. Edmonton's going to be fine. It's Connor. It's Leon. It's the Oilers. They can do this, but you know, the losses have piled up and you can't afford bad games and you can't afford stretches. Like when they won those three games in a row, I think they only made up a point in the standings. But Calgary's like, six oh. points
0: up on them and Calgary has been awful this year.
2: Yeah, but you know what? Calgary's turning things around right now. I know. Now. So it's what five, are they going to do? Five, I was going to actually two? ask you,
0: like, when's the sell-off start? Not
2: yet. I don't know. <laughs> like, to me, like, there's a couple of teams that I really can't. It's like grabbing water. Like, I can't figure out St. Louis. I don't know who the St. Louis Blues are. And I don't know who the Calgary Flames are, specifically a recent note. Like, Dan Vladar the other night looked fantastic. Jonathan Huberto with a, with a, with a pair of points. Um, uh, they win in a game in overtime. Okay, and, and I think it, I think it is five, one, and 5-1-2. I don't have it in front of me, the, the Calgary Flames, uh, in their last eight games. So there's some some signs of life there as, as well. And they have key players at every single position. I know the contracts have all been halted and all that stuff. And, you know, there's a door-off situation, the very public trade request, and does Chris Tanev want to go home and what's going to happen with Lindholm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have no idea who this team is. I, I Honestly, I have... I have no clue. All I do know is that they are a healthier and more productive team right now than the Edmonton Oilers are. And every it's like with Edmonton, it's not an 82-game season. It feels like at this point it's, 80, it's an 82-1-game 82, it's, it's 82 season. Because mm-hmm. yeah. that's what we're doing. Like It's like after the Tampa game. Okay, we're treating that like it's an entire season. Florida game, same thing. And after the Carolina game tonight, we're going to do the same with the Oilers. Again, not an 82-game season. 82-1 game season.
0: Yeah, that's year. a that's a stressful way to go through an entire oh, regular season good of hockey. Luck. Jeff, enjoy all these games tonight. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. We always appreciate your insight and love chatting hockey with you.
2: Yeah, man. Every week, it's, uh, it's a highlight for me, too. You be well, boys. We'll talk in seven days.
0: Yep. See you, hey, Jeff. Jeff. Thank you. That's Jeff Merrick,
1: uh, host of the 32 Thoughts podcast and the Jeff Merrick Show, which you can hear right here across the Sportsnet radio network. Okay, uh, 6 o'clock hour in the books. 7 o'clock hour underway. At 7.30, we're going to be joined by Connor McGahee. We've had him on the show a few times before. He is the play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche for Altitude TV. So we'll preview tonight's big game between the Canucks and Avs. A reminder, it is in Colorado, and it is a 7 o'clock puck drop. So um, be sure to uh, set your viewing priorities accordingly. At 8 o'clock, we're going to go into the world of golf. We're going to talk to Alan Shipnuck. He's got a new book out, Live and Let Die, the inside story of the war between the PGA Tour and Live Golf. Uh, very interested to talk to Alan about that book. He also had another book that had just come out recently about Phil Mickelson, so there's lots to get into with Alan Shipnuck at 8 o'clock, 8.30. We're going to be doing What We Learns as We Always Do. We've got an open segment coming up. We can talk about anything you guys want to discuss. NHL, International Competition. I know lots of you are dying for us to jump back in to Soccer Talk, so we could do that as well. Anything you guys want to discuss, open segment Coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on SportsNet 650.